Hello, everybody. It is the David Glenn Show. However, David Glenn, if you did not know, is a barrister. He is trying a very big case over in England. Don't let those pictures of him giving his son a beer fool you. He is over there to legislate for the ACC network on the BBC. I'm Mike Maniscalco. If you've heard this voice before, hi. I used to be on radio for a really long time. Now I'm on the television with the Carolina Hurricanes and on the, the web worldwide now, Darren Vaught. Who knew? It's really it turned out to be something. Yeah, the isn't worldwide it? Yeah, I was not sure that internet thing was going to catch on. Thank you, Al Gore, wherever you are, for inventing it. All right, we've got some things to get into because as the cavalcade of stars continues this week of guest hosts for the David Glenn Show, uh, as you know, I work for the Carolina Hurricanes. If you don't know, I work for the Carolina Hurricanes, and now you do know. So today's day will be slightly hockey-focused. Don't worry. We know that the Carolina Panthers are playing football tonight, and I will try to treat preseason football the way that I treat anything that is preseason with just enough to know that it's going on, but not enough to truly care about it. Because it's the preseason, and it's game one. There will be 37 people who play tonight who you will never, ever hear of ever again. Now, the rest of the players will be making an impact, but again, you can, depending on the sport, get some value out of the preseason. The coaches do it. You really only need two preseason games. I've gone down this road before. It's funny. You ask the players how many preseason games you need, like one. They won't even give you definitive. They'll tell you like one. And coaches will be like, I'd like 18 of them. I need to evaluate that uh, heated third string right guard position. We're not sure. We're on the fence. Do we go with the raw talent or do we take the swing guy? All right, so now you know. But uh, no Cam Newton. I was told this by Darren Vaught, although I also knew this as well. No Cam Newton tonight, no Luke Keekley. So if you're a Panthers fan, you watch and go, please let Christian McCaffrey touch the ball once, and then that's it. Oh, he, he got one yard. He lost 10. Okay, he's running. That's good. Seen enough. Uh, that's kind of how I am with when you get around a team and covering a National Hockey League team the way that I do, the Carolina Hurricanes. When you get into preseason, it's a little different when, say, last year for the Carolina Hurricanes, there were some spots you had questions for. If you have a team and you don't know what you have, if you have a first-year head coach and you don't know what you have, preseason does become valuable. So uh, please you know, take a little bit of what I just said with a grain of salt about the preseason. But when you have established teams, and I can draw on this because of last year, the Carolina Hurricanes preseason. The Hurricanes had an outstanding preseason. If you remember, they were beating the Caps and the Lightning. By the way, the Caps, that kind of proved to be a little bit of a precursor of what we would see when it really mattered. But they beat... The defending Stanley Cup champions, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were going to have the best record in the NHL, and they were really good against the Nashville Predators. You know, they, this was a preseason where everybody looks at it, and their head coach, Rod Brindamore, said at the time, we're playing because we have to learn how to win. They're playing to find out who are their depth guys because they know their playoff teams. So the Carolina Panthers, in my just as you look at the division and you look at the NFL, the Panthers are kind of in that they think they're a playoff team because of the positions that they have and where they're solid. Now, I know the injury concerns for Cam Newton will be a big deal, and then how cryptic Ron Rivera's been about Luke Keekley 
I have no idea why we just can't say this is what's wrong or this is why we held him out or this is what happens. Um, the, the players know, you know, the, for the majority, the league knows. They just kind of keep it to themselves. But Ron Rivera, he's going to go into tonight, and he's got in his mind and the front office and the assistant coaches. These are checklists. These are players. You know what Christian McCaffrey is going to do, right? We, we know what he's going to do. We know what the defensive line is going to do. We know what all of the starters, the projected starters, are supposed to do. You want them to just shake the rust off here, especially in the first game. You know, get back to used to hitting somebody that's in a different colored uniform and actually, you know, getting to the tendencies you need, need to get to to be a football player. Just like in hockey, you can only have so many training camp scrimmages and practices and battle drills or whatever you want to call them now. Before you get to the, you need to know how to do this for real. But it's the younger guys. It's the rookies. It's the, the guys who are coming in who, how do they fit in this scheme, who we spent money on? Or how do we replace the guy who left us, you know, who went for greener pastures? So as far as the Panthers are concerned tonight, if you're watching preseason football, all right, good for you. And it will be on. I will probably be watching it in some way, shape, or form. But... uh that is if my DirecTV starts working again. Can I use this to get uh, somebody out to my house to fix my DirecTV? You can't figure this out for the life of me. Every other, every other TV in my house, it works, but the one that I really watch, like, you know, it's one of those things where I've got three TVs in my house, but the one that I watch, it's not working. And it's just the one box, and it's just infuriating to me. So while my wait time, I figured, ah, oh, I could call before I fill in for DG today. Just be like, hey, I need a new box. I'll ship this out. You give me a new one, or maybe you send somebody. Your wait time is... 37 minutes. And I'm like, well, all right. Guess we're going to be not having TV on the big TV tonight. <laughs> if only I knew a lawyer who could help me out. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, now let's get into some of the things. Now, I try to draw parallels on the show for everybody who's out there. So for all of the Carolina Hurricanes fans who are listening, here's what you need to know. On the show today, we're going to be joined by... Oh, that's right. This is a statewide show. So it's not just the Carolina Hurricanes hockey we're going to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about the Charlotte Checkers, you know, the defending Calder Cup champions for the best team in the AHL. Well, their new assistant coach and former Carolina Hurricane, Patrick Dwyer, will be joining us in about six minutes from right now. You talk about a guy who's had quite the journey. Uh, while David Glenn is enjoying London, England in the UK, our good friend Patrick Dwyer was playing hockey in Scotland. Yeah, it's, you know, the circuitous route to come back to hockey in North America. We'll be joined by the Web's Michael Smith. He is the web reporter and content producer for CarolinaHurricanes.com. Uh, we'll also be joined by Rob Simpson, NHL writer. We'll get a kind of view of the rest of the league in the Metro Division from Rob's unique perspective. Also best-selling author. He paid me $5 to say that. The going rate for me is so cheap now. Uh, Jacob Slavin. Carolina Hurricanes defenseman who it's not such a secret that he is one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League these days. He will be joining us at 1.30. The best play-by-play -play voice in the National Hockey League, John Forsland, at 2 o'clock will be joining us and we'll get his take on a lot of drama. Uh, that's the one thing. Not a big fan of drama, but the drama of the season that was past and now we look ahead to what happened in the future. And uh, we'll, uh, it's, I know it's Kane's Hockey Day. But perhaps the biggest event of the summer is this weekend. No, we've already had the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. We've had golf. We've had everything that you need. SummerSlam, kids, from the only authority that I know. 
who can talk wrestling, will be joining us at 245. So if you're ready for that, buckle up, kids. This is not your average David Glenn show today. Could be an above or below average, depending on how you view hockey and your humble guest host. By the way, Darren, I asked as a joke when I came in. Now, for those of you, David Glenn's been hosting a radio show for, I think, 43 years. Somewhere along, there's a number. I'm sure it's out there. He has had more free labor from college ranks than NCAA football combined. There are 37 people in there. What do they do? I, I worked in – now I get to do this. I worked in radio, but I was a, <laughs> I was a member of, uh, of this medium for quite some time. What do all these people do over there, Darren? Uh, well, I mean, some of them are going to do bits and pieces of my job. Oh, okay. Well, but see, then, that's smart on your part. But then also, like, you're the star, man. They're, everybody's here to see you. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're like, oh, man, a scout goes in. It's Kane's day. <laughs> yeah. We want to be there that day. That guy? Him? See any relation to Sebastian? <laughs> do you have a quick story? So I'm in between the benches for a, a game, and this was not this season, but last season. And uh, it's against the Nashville Predators. And I know that hockey fans who are listening are not big fans of Tim Peel, the official, because they feel that he's – it's amazing how one man is out to get every team in the National Hockey League. Um, <laughs> but Tim Peel skates over to me, and, you know, and in between the benches – right there access to their f's he skates right up and he looks and he goes gotta ask i'm thinking you know question for john or something over here you related to sebastian i went <laughs> no not really i'm surprised you don't get that more oh i get it all the time yeah okay yeah maybe but, i'm just not aware of uh, i had a i had a lady yesterday tell me as i spoke to a rotary club i'm big with a rotary club uh, summer scene people wondering <laughs> what i do uh, it was a great, uh, great Rotary Club, too. Had a great breakfast. So thank you for having me there. Appreciate it. She goes, I was just wondering, because you have the same last name, but he's very small, and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I then informed her. I'm like, no, my last name really was Smith. I changed it to Maniscalco because I thought I would stand out in show business, and who knew that a little comic from Chicago would actually use the same name. All right, now you're caught up to speed on me. Some preseason football, some preseason hockey, and we're going to get you ready for everything else. Uh, like, how do you step into the assistant coaching ranks after you've been a player? We're going to be joined by Patrick Dwyer, new assistant coach for the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, no sweat. You just have to come into the coaching staff that won the championship the last year for the league that you're going to. But if there's a guy who's equipped to handle it and be a great teacher, it'll be Patrick Dwyer. We'll talk with him coming up here on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show statewide. It's Carolina Hurricanes Day. I am filling in for DG, Mike Maniscalco here. And the Carolina Hurricanes organization welcomes back a man who has appeared in playoff games for them. He scored big goals and then somehow found his way playing hockey in Belfast. This is going to be an incredible story, and I am more than happy to welcome back Patrick Dwyer to the great state of North Carolina. Patrick, I know you have to be excited to be back. Thanks so much for joining me today. 
Yeah, thank you, Mike. No, I'm, I couldn't be happier. You know, it's just an organization that I have such fond memories of and, and gave me so much, and, and now it's nice to be back with them and hopefully helping these kids get to, to their dreams. Well, because you've been through this before, you were a college hockey player at Western Michigan. You went through the minor league system, but the coaching experience isn't there. How did you know you wanted to get into coaching, and how did this opportunity to be an assistant with the Charlotte Checkers present itself, Patrick? Well, I mean, going back to being a coach, I think it's something, you know, from early on in my playing career that it was something I was going to be interested in as I wind wind down my career. And so it was it was something I've always had a passion for, for learning the game, and obviously I, I had to learn it to, to get to where I was. I wasn't someone that was going to get there on, on skill and stuff. So I've, I've had a passion for it, and I, I got into it a little bit last year with uh, with Belfast. I, w- I was a player coach there, and it, you know, it kind of ignited it a little little bit more even there. So it, it was something, and came back this summer, and, you know, the Checkers had a great year last year, and, and when that happens, you know, people move on, on from championship teams, and with um, – Mike Lucci moving on there, it opened up a position, and it was something I reached out and, and said I had interest in it, and throughout the process, they were, uh, they were they were good enough to give me an opportunity, and, and everything went well, and so here I am, you know, looking forward to another great year with Charlotte. Patrick, did you have a relationship with the new head coach for the Checkers, Ryan Warsawski? How did, how did that come together, or was it other relationships you had forged through the organization? Well, I, I didn't know Ryan at all in, until the interview process came along. And, you know, he, he's a younger guy that, you know, we got along really well with through the interview process. And, you know, you don't want to say there's a natural chemistry or, or anything like that. It's not a love story. But, you know, there, there was there was a connection where we were kind of on the same page and, and same philosophy of what we wanted to do. And it meshed with, with Carolina's philosophy and with Gleason and Sanchenoff, uh, you know, the development coaches there. It, it played with them and stuff so there there was a a relationship already built in it it worked out good for me and you know i i went through the interview process just like everyone else and it, you know it was a process that was new to me but you know i i think knowing people along the line helped when you know you got rod brendamore and and guys like that 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 know you and and can personally vouch for for you as a person you know they they obviously don't know what i can do as a coach but you know as as the, the person background check comes around, you know, those are good people to have in your corner. New assistant coach for the Charlotte Checkers, Patrick Dwyer, joining us here on the David Glenn Show. Uh, Patrick, I, I have to ask, it's not unusual for a lot of players to, you know, when the NHL days are, are you know, maybe the, the calls aren't there to go overseas and play in Sweden and, and play in Finland. How did you finally end up in, in Belfast? That's the question for me that I'm fascinated with, that you ended up in the Elite Ice Hockey League. How did you get the call there? Well, what happened was, like like you said, we went over, we played in Sweden, we, we played in Denmark, and it was it was somewhere that we, we've always had a, a love for Ireland and a, a want to get over there and visit it. And so as we, we wound down my career over in Europe, it was something that me and my wife had talked about wanting to, you know, maybe finish our career over there. And so we, we reached out to to Belfast and had brought it up and you know the the first year it was it was unable to get something done you know it was a little late in the process so we weren't able to get over there that year but through through the next summer we we talked with them and it, it was something where it was a good fit for both sides and you know I'm glad we did it it was a, a great city a great organization and you know it was a really fun and and productive last year for us and, and something that that we can retire on on a high 
at the same time, how cool was it for you to bring your family over to Europe and, and spend time with them in those cities that you got to? Not everybody gets the chance to say, yeah, this is where I work. Yeah, it, you know, it's an amazing experience and, and for our kids and, and for my wife and stuff to, to travel around to different countries and, you know, the, the adaptations that the kids pick up, you know, so young, it's, it's amazing to see how how well they can adapt and, and adjust so quickly. And it, it's just life experiences that, you know, I think maybe the kids take for granted right now, but when, when they get to grow up, yeah, you know, hey, I went over to Sweden, Denmark, Ireland with with my dad's job and got to live there for a year. And I think, you know, with, with the way travel is and stuff like that, the world becomes smaller and smaller every day. And, you know, it's something that they can say they did as a kid. Well, same time, you also are very familiar with the city. You're going to go coaching in Charlotte. You played there just a few years ago, the 16-17 season. You know how exciting that fan base can be for the team, but how much was that familiarity, like you said, the organization, the people who are there, that made this easy for you to say, yeah, I, I want to jump into this. I'm, I'm jumping in the deep end of the pool. Let's just go because I'm, I'm kind of familiar with the settings that I'm going to be in here as a coach. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that makes it a, a hundred times easier. We know the city, we know the people in the organization, you know, so there, there's not a lot of, of new faces and stuff like that for, for me to meet, and, and that's going to make it easy. You know, it's always always difficult sometimes when you, you go to a new place and, you know, there's two two medical guys, two equipment guys, you know, coaches, front office, and everyone that you have, you, you have to meet and then familiarize yourself with, whereas this is kind of already there. We know where we want to live down there. We know where our kids want to go to school and, and stuff like that. So it definitely makes the process a lot easier on us. And you know some of the players. So is that going to be weird for you coaching some of the guys you played with, or is that actually easy because you just did that this past year in Belfast? Yeah, you know, I, th I think that helps in Belfast, you know, being able to coach guys that you're playing with and now guys that um, I played with a couple of years ago. And I, I think it's, It'll make it easier. There's a, there's a natural relationship there, and there should be a natural trust there between between me and those guys. And you know, it, it'll make the, the process a little bit easier with with them. That you know, they they can jump in and be like, yeah, I, I know this guy. I you know, I can trust this guy and, and stuff like that. So I think there's there's a foundation of a relationship there. And you know, like you said, it it can be a little little different at first having played with them. But I mean, I went through that in my career when you know Roddy retired and. He came in and coached us and stuff like that. So I've, I've been through the process before, and, and I have an understanding that, yeah, you may be on the other side of the fence, but, you know, it's still the same guy that, that you played with a couple of years ago. I'm glad you brought that up with Rod Brindamore. He said, as the assistant, you're the buffer between the players and the head coaches. Is that kind of the role for the assistant coach? Like, you have to be the guy after the head coach chews out the team to, to know this is who I need to pat on the back or this is the guy I need to tell get it going a little bit more? Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up. But, yeah, it's, you know, it is a case of a good cop, bad cop at, at times, I guess. But, yeah, you're the, you're the buffer. You're, you're the one that, that reaches out to the guys a little bit more and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I think the game's changed a little bit where, you know, coaches aren't coming and kicking Gatorade bottle or Gatorade coolers over as, as much as it, it used to happen and stuff like that. But, you know, as an assistant coach, you're, you know, there's the levels of it. Obviously, your you're captain's the, the buffer between – between the coaches and the players a little bit more so but yeah you know in a way I guess I'm the good cop that that comes in and, and smooths some stuff out and you know maybe talks guys off cliffs a little bit but it it's not it's not the, the the olden days as much anymore but I think nowadays everybody's got a little bit more personal relationships with coaches 
All right, Patrick, I couldn't help but notice you laughed when I asked that. So do you have a, a story without throwing anybody under the bus about a good cop, bad cop routine that you were a part of? <laughs> no. It's just I, I've seen it a, a lot where, you know, the, the head coach comes in and kicks over a Gatorade cooler in between periods and, and snaps, and then, you know, the assistant comes in after he leaves and just says, hey, guys, message has been sent. Now, now it's on you to respond. So, I mean, it, it, it brings up some memories back in the day, but not, nothing too too interesting. Oh, Patrick, well done. You've already got the coach speak down. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's a process, and it'll be a learning curve. But I think, you know, with with some of the great coaches that I've I've had in my career, I I try to pick pick the best from all of them and, and mesh it into to my own little little story here. But we'll we'll see how it goes, and there'll be times when you will have to kick the water cooler, but. I, I don't think it'll be uh, as often as it happened in the past. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for taking the time today. The Checkers are getting a great teacher, and uh, I know that you're excited to be back in Charlotte. It's an organization. All you got to do is defend the title. So, I mean, that's easy for you, right? You come in as that. That's, that's where you want to be. Thanks so much for taking the time, and great to have you back in the Canes organization. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mike. I couldn't be happier. There's Patrick Dwyer, and uh, he, he will be an excellent teacher, and uh, he'll be a great good cop for uh, the Charlotte Checkers. Trust me, you need it. He's right. Uh, Ryan Wersofsky is going to need a, a good cop, but a guy who was in that room a couple of years ago. And folks, if you don't think coaching matters, take a look at what the Carolina Hurricanes did last year with a guy who had zero head coaching experience outside of his, you know, at the time, I think seven-year-old son's team and his uh, teenage son's team, uh, Rod Brenmore. Coaching matters. Somebody who was... Every step of the way on that journey will join us. He is the Webb's Michael Smith. We'll get his take on the Canes offseason. A few things that were happening around what we thought was a quiet time of year for Carolina has been actually a little bit noisier than what we thought. We'll get into that coming up here. It's Canes Day on the David Glenn Show. Mike Maniscalco in for DG. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. It is Carolina Hurricanes Day on the DG Show. As David is off having tea and crumpets right now. Are we past that? I don't know. Tea is like four, right? Late afternoon tea? Yeah, it is. What are they, five hours ahead of us? So it's it's like evening there. And I, The only foreign country I've ever been to is Canada. And I grew up in Buffalo, New York. So basically I'm an eighth Canadian. So, I mean, that's not <laughs> even a foreign Canada. Um a foreign country, I should say. Joining us now, a man who has traveled to many foreign countries. He is the Webb's Michael Smith. He is co-host of the now 1,087th ranked podcast on Apple Podcasts, known as the Canes Cast. Uh, he's got a good co-host that he's got to work with on that one, too. He's also the senior web producer and content provider for CarolinaHurricanes.com. Michael Smith, it's a pleasure to talk to you this morning, afternoon, or wherever we are in England or the United States. Hi, Mike. I'm uh, I'm enjoying some tea and crumpets myself right now. Oh, outstanding. Have a biscuit for me, will you? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to a few of the things that we thought this was going to be a quiet off season for the Carolina Hurricanes based on how the season went, Michael. It's been, I think, a little bit noisier than we thought. So let's address the elephant in the room. 
from the story that has made the headlines this week, which was Don Waddell's contract status or lack thereof. Was this something that the organization that you as a guy who covers the, the team, working for the team, saw this coming out of left field? Like, where did this come from? Or was this, you know, nothing that was a major deal for the Hurricanes when we found out that their general manager was interviewing for the vacant general manager position in Minnesota? I, I think it was more of a not that big of a deal situation. Um, and, and you and me are, are around the team really on a daily basis. And uh, we've both asked Don Waddell, you know, over the course of the summer, what his situation is, knowing that his contract was uh, expiring at the end of June. And uh, he always just uh, joked about it and said, look, I'm, you know, I've got a lifetime contract uh I'm not going anywhere, and I think that's really the situation that the team finds itself in right now. Uh, he's he's free to look for other positions and interview for other positions, and um, as well he should, looking to um, you know perhaps better his his lifestyle, better his uh, professional standing. But but ultimately, I think uh, what he has here is is a good situation. He's got a good handle on what's going on here. Um, he's been involved with this organization for a number of years. He's led this team in a number of crucial areas and was recognized for, for all the work he did last year uh, as a finalist uh, for GM of the year. And, and you could make an argument that he should have even won that award. But uh, ultimately, I think it's, it's not really a huge deal. We'll see how it unfolds over the next few weeks. It's a situation that I expect to be wrapped up in the next few weeks. But uh, you know, uh, when it comes down to it, I think Don Waddell enjoys his time here. And uh, if he has a preference, would prefer to stay here with the Hurricane. And I think it's even been said as much the past few days and in interviews that both Tom Dundon, the majority owner of the Canes, and Don Waddell has had to say. Michael Smith, Canes senior web producer, joining us here on the David Glenn Show. Michael, if I asked you to make a checklist for the Carolina Hurricanes offseason and boxes that needed to be filled for the team to improve on what they did last year, how many of those boxes have they checked off in your mind? I think they've checked off just about all of them, really. I mean, uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before. When you look at the question marks that have surrounded the team, you know, heading into this offseason, uh, they basically checked them all off. There's one big one left that needs to be checked, and that's Justin Williams and uh, his future with the team. Because if he doesn't return, then the, the Hurricanes are, are looking for a new captain. Uh, the hope is that he will return. Uh, another situation that will probably wrap, be wrapped up in, in the coming weeks. Uh, that's really the one big uh, checkbox left uh, on the checklist for the Hurricanes. But you look at everything else, goaltending. They wanted to re-sign both Peter Mrazek and Curtis McElhaney, but McElhaney made the decision early to, to, to move on from the organization. Uh, but the Hurricanes were able to re-sign Peter Mrazek shortly after uh, the free agent market opened on July 1st. They, they checked that box. They were looking uh, to add some more scoring punch, and I think both in the trade for Eric Hollow, which added to their center depth, and the free agent signing of Ryan Dezingle, they checked that box. Uh, and when you look at the free agents they had on their list, the, the, the ideal free agents they'd like to sign, or re-sign, I should say, I think they checked all those boxes. They got all their restricted free agents back that they wanted to uh, re-sign, and uh, you look at the depth pieces that they've been able to add. I think uh, really from uh, a totality standpoint, when you look at it from game four of the Eastern Conference Finals to today, I think you could definitely argue that the Hurricanes are a better team today than they were a few months ago. And that's a very encouraging sign for 
one of the teams that was uh, one of the four left standing in the league. And there's still going to be a position battle for the Carolina Hurricanes on defense. There are a few injuries that they're concerned with. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who had the shoulder injury in the playoff series victory over the New York Islanders. Uh, he should hopefully be ready by training camp or for the early season. But, Michael, are there other spots that you look at? Because Calvin DeHaan gets traded this offseason, so that leaves an opening on the blue line for who to fill it looks like it could be Hayden Flurry. and is there other spots that are open for this team right now that if you're Rod Brindamore you want to see who's going to fill them yeah that will be an interesting one to watch and if you know if there's a team in the league that has sort of a wealth of options on the blue line it's, it's the Carolina Hurricanes and that's really what allowed them to to be comfortable with moving Calvin DeHaan uh, a defenseman who's incredibly steady, incredibly good at what he does. He's not flashy. You're not going to recognize him uh, too much, but he's not going to make a bad play. He's going to make good plays, and that's what Calvin DeHaan did. But with the Hurricanes' depth, uh, with guys like Hayden Fleury perhaps ready to take that next step in his career to be a true full-time NHL player with Jake Bean knocking on the door, uh, with Gustav Forsling that they acquired in the trade who could be uh, in the mix as, as that seventh or eighth defenseman as well. They feel confident in, in the those guys' abilities to step in and fill the hole on that third pair left by DeHaan. You mentioned Trevor Van Riemsdyk. I think that's going to be a situation where we sort of learn more about where he's at once training camp opens. Uh, the hope is that he won't be out uh, too long into the season, but uh, you might see it drag on for a couple of weeks just uh, looking at the timeline from when he had the surgery there, I think it was in late April, early May uh, to October. So uh, the hope is that he'll be back sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, it's, it's going to be on a guy like Hayden Fleury, a guy like Jake Bean or Gustav Forsling to step in and, and fill those holes on uh, a blue line that's, that's one of the best in the NHL. All right, Michael, two questions. First part for you. Last year, what went right for the Carolina Hurricanes to finally break the drought of nine years without the postseason? Uh, Rod Brindamore. Rod Brindamore being the head coach, I think, is where it all starts. Um, and and from from there down, he got everybody to buy into his message. Uh, and that uh, really, the, the trickle down of that message starts with the captain and Justin Williams. Uh, and it's sort of his responsibility to be that conduit between Brenda Moore and then the rest of the locker room. But I think the success that the team had last year, I don't think happens without Rod Brenda Moore. I also don't think it happens without Justin Williams, but it starts with Rod Brenda Moore. And, and from there, everyone bought into what he was saying, bought into his message. Uh, and that's why the team had the success it had last year. Rod Brindamore, really, I mean, you and I, I think, agree on this, should have won the Jack Adams Award for, for what he was able to do uh, with the lineup he had. I mean, it was incredibly impressive. Absolutely. Now, you, I'm not going to let you say, Rod Brindamore, reason to tell all of the hockey fans, the hockey world out there, that last year was not lightning in the bottle for the Hurricanes, and this team is now going to be a playoff team for seasons to come. Well, yeah, I think you could just look at the youth on the roster and the experience they gained by going through last season, by uh, going through that second half resurgence, by uh, going through that playoff experience and, and uh, gaining that experience, uh, going deep into the playoffs and seeing what it's like playing in round one, round two, and then the Eastern Conference final. And now knowing, heading into next year, what it's going to take to get over that hump uh, and be one of the two teams left standing, vying for the Stanley Cup. I think when you look at guys like Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci, Justin Falk, 
these guys who have played in the league for a number of years but haven't experienced playoffs, uh, to now have that under their belts, I think, is, is going to help them tremendously because now they know exactly what it takes uh, to get to the postseason. Uh, for a guy like Sebastian Ajo, he's heading into his fourth year. He's only gotten better each year. A guy like Andrei Svechnikov, who had, uh, I think, uh, a pretty impressive rookie season, he's only going to get better. So you look at the talent that's on the Hurricanes roster. A lot of it's young. A lot of it's hungry. That's why this team is not going to go anywhere. Uh, but up in the future. That's why this team is going to be a perennial playoff team because uh, the Hurricanes front office has built, I think, this organization to be successful in the long run, and I think that's what you're going to see. All right, Michael, has anybody given you an offer sheet this offseason that I need to know about that we need to match for the 1,087th-ranked podcast, Canes Cast? No, you know, uh, offer sheets are slim for a podcast that is that highly ranked. That is true. And remember, uh, five stars, you can rate us. We're best friends. Uh, he is the Web's Michael Smith. He is a treasure, a gem. And not only that, he's one heck of a hockey reporter taking time out here in the middle of what has become suddenly a very busy summer and week for the Carolina Hurricanes. Michael, thank you so much for the time. Thank you, TVs and now radios, Mike Maniscalco. It was wonderful talking to you. Thank you. There he goes. Ah. Our good friend, Michael Smith. And he did bring up one thing about the hurricane situation uh, that I would agree with 100%. And, you know, there's a lot of hand-wringing about awards and things like that. And and maybe just as I get older, I just don't uh, get caught up in them as much as I I used to. But if you want to try to tell me that somebody did a better coaching job with the team they had in the NHL than Rod Brindamore, you are ridiculous. Uh, Coming up, we're going to talk, speaking of the front office, in challenges – when you have a team that hasn't made the playoffs for nine seasons and now all of a sudden you are embraced as maybe the NHL's darlings, how do you take advantage and market that? Mike Foreman of the Carolina Hurricanes, the vice president of marketing, will be joining us too. We're going to go inside hockey today. You hear inside baseball? We're going inside the Carolina Hurricanes. It's the Canes Day. Mike Maniscalco filling in for David Glenn here on the David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H- how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. <laughs> um, you know, I hope it's not like a hand to hug to hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him, no hands. I think he's so. a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. DG is out. Mike Maniscalco in. And it is the week of on the David Glenn Show. And right now it's Carolina Hurricanes Day here on the spotlight for the state of North Carolina. It's pretty good when you got a rapper in your backyard who puts a song together that might have the name of your state or you know something to do with your team on it. And your team scores goals. You get to play it. And the fans react to it. And that's one of the things that when you're the vice president of marketing, you have to figure out how do we make all these things work in concert. And that's what Mike Foreman does for the Carolina Hurricanes. And he joins us right now on the David Glenn Show. Mike, first off, thanks so much for the time. And and second, uh, it wasn't always that easy. Things don't always fall in your lap for marketing. Uh, For a team that had before last season missed the playoffs for nine consecutive seasons, how difficult is it to come up with a marketing plan for a team that – the fans in the area do back and do get excited about. Yeah. Hey, Mike, first off, thanks for having me. Um, you know, you're correct there that it's a little more challenging. We also remind ourselves, though, that we work in sports and entertainment, and it's, it's fun. Um, so you can still have fun even without maybe the product on the ice or the court or the field that um, has had a lot of success. But 
when you when you have a product that hasn't performed on the ice, you focus on a lot of other initiatives that can get people interested in your brand, whether that's you know a, a local flavor and flair like our homegrown series or our college colors programs with involving the schools um, to our all-star chef series last year to bring in local celebrity chefs. So you try to focus on a lot of things off the ice with the hope that you're moving in the right direction, and as soon as the team is ready to take off, you're going to be you know, working together and, and coming together to take off at that point where you have the perfect storm on the ice, the perfect storm off the ice, and all of a sudden you're taking off, which is what we saw last year. Well, Mike, we certainly saw that happen as the team got better and then people started taking notice of their celebration, the storm surge. Uh, how much of mana from heaven was Don Cherry screaming bunch of jerks like an old man yelling at a cloud? And how quick did your department turn that around to become the marketing campaign that the team and everybody else seemed to embrace in the hockey world, except for a few, you know, curmudgeons up in Canada? Yep, we thank Don Cherry every single day, <laughs> department and as an organization, um, and we'll continue to do so for for a long time, I'm sure. But um, you know, for those that, that don't know the story, it happened. It was February 16th last year. It was a, a Saturday night game at, at home against Dallas. Um, we had just played the night before. We played great beat Edmonton here at home. Fun crowd against Dallas, and we start seeing these comments coming out through social um, just before puck drop. And we watch the video, and, and, and Don makes his comments. And you know, obviously we're not in a position to reply right away because we're in the middle of, of game mode. You know, playing Dallas that night. We knew we needed to do something, and our social staff kind of set the tone with it. Is you know rather than reply right away, they wanted to take um, a little more passive approach. So they they changed uh, our Twitter bio to it was at the time that um, hockey team with the fun celebrations. They immediately changed it to that bunch of jerks with the fun celebrations. Um, they started liking comments from from fans that were coming out, but never actually put anything out themselves. And we said, let's wait for this game to end. It was a late game. It was an 8 o'clock puck drop. So the game didn't end until 10.30 that night. We met down in um, the offices probably about 11.30 that night and said, I think we have something here. You know, how do we take something that's intended to be a negative on our organization and our fans and our team and turn it into a positive and, and embrace it and run with it? And, and, and then we started thinking, how can we monetize on this as well? And T-shirt was honestly the first thing that came about. Um, we started working with Breaking Tea, which is a, a T-shirt company that develops these types of campaigns in real time. And we had T-shirt designs you know, ready the next morning, and we had them available for sale by 6 p.m. the next day. Um, and, and one big part of that whole process was you know, I texted Don and Tom at midnight that night um, and said, we have kind of a crazy idea. We want to take this term jerks and, and embrace it and have it become a rallying cry for our fan base. And they both replied within two minutes and said, go for it. We love it. Well, when you get the backing of the higher-ups, that makes things certainly easier. But now the stakes are raised. Mike Foreman is the vice president of marketing for the pro hockey team in North Carolina. That's great. But how do you build on this for the momentum for right now? And what's big on the horizon that some fans can expect out of the marketing department and the Hurricanes for this upcoming season? Yeah, the, the biggest thing with, with uh, kind of our – philosophical approach from a marketing department is we want to provide as much access and be as engaging with our fans as possible. And I think all of our fans see that on social, that, you know, we, we engage with our fans. We're not going to be a team that's just pushing out information. We want to have a, a give and take with them. So we're trying to take that same philosophy to our video production, to our editorial, uh, to our podcast with you and Michael Smith, that 
we want to give people uh, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain more so than they get from from a lot of other clubs. There's some teams that do it really well, but you know we want to have the most access as we possibly can, and then we want to provide that access that we've been awarded to our fans. And you know we had a really good start last year with you know, Rod Brindamore was so open to um, you know us being able to have some cameras in the room, and those post game speeches became viral because you got to see you know, Rod and, and how he interacts with our players and what that locker room feel is like. And really that's kind of our philosophy and everything that we're trying now is access and making sure that we're finding ways to tell a story that we have really fun players. We have a really talented team. We have a really young team. How do we showcase that? Because with the team success, you're not necessarily having to throw the kitchen sink at people from other marketing, uh, with, with other marketing elements at this point. We want to showcase our team and our fun and their personalities and, that's what we're exploring the most this offseason. Well, Mike, thank you for uh, taking some time out. I know that the meetings never stop, especially in the offseason. Uh, I was asked by the interns here to get some free swag for the David Glenn Show. There are more interns here than people we have working for the Carolina Hurricanes organization. So I'm not going to bankrupt us and ask you to do that. So they can, they can come to the eye and buy the shirts if they want them. Anytime. They're welcome to the eye, and I'm sure we can – can take care of at least a couple of them. <laughs> a couple. Thank you. See, yeah. that's the that's the key right there. Good job, Mike Foreman. Thanks so much for joining me here today. All right. Thanks for having me, Mike. There's the vice president of marketing for the Carolina Hurricanes, but just amazing how they seized that opportunity. What could have been a negative and a pushback and the bunch of jerks in the storm surge really identified the Canes last season. We'll talk about how having fun actually matters coaching matters and a few other things coming up for the carolina hurricane seasons it's canes day here on the david glenn show as david is off in england right now talking to the queen coach lou holtz is joining us what can you tell us about those four seasons in raleigh everybody from north carolina calling us boo you and agriculture you and i remember walking in the press conference saying i want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture stay with us on the david glenn show